everybody, it's Megs. And I'm Wenny. And we are the Better Art Bureau. And when I get the most creative, I just, I just sit down and I just go for it. Art's not supposed to be pretty, it's supposed to be conceptual, and I'm like, why can't it be both? The Better Art Bureau represents a group of individuals who decided to live their lives authentically by following their passion through art and creativity. There's no one else doing what we're doing, and I'm, that's what I'm happy with. That's, to me, that's art. You always have to be growing, you always have to be learning new mediums, or just learning how to better your own craft. I feel like it's about what pulls people. We're here to give artists a platform to share their story that we want to portray, that we want to showcase, are people that live on that side of I could have been what everyone else told me to be, but I decided to follow my dreams and do what I wanted to do. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to get help. Don't be afraid to fuck up. Don't be afraid to fail. What's up, everyone? And welcome back to the Better Art Bureau podcast. We are so excited to be back recording, sitting down with amazing artists and doing what we love. We really missed you guys, and we missed doing this a lot. Uh, We took a much longer break than originally anticipated, but the world's a little bit crazy right now, so we hope everybody is staying safe and healthy, maybe using this time to do something creative. If not, and you're just chilling and watching TV, that's more than okay, Um, but we're back, and we recently had the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Alex Sisarev, also known as Mad Love Music. He is a professor of music, among many other things. He's also a dear friend of mine. We've known each other for years. Uh, We've worked on a few projects together, released some music together, and I have to credit him with basically all of my knowledge when it comes to recording in a studio. So when Wednesday and I saw the opportunity, we asked, he said yes, and we're so glad he did because he just gives such a great insight into the world of music, what it takes to make it in the industry, Um, and he's just a big ball of energy and so much fun to be around, so we are sure you guys will love him just as much as we do. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to episode six of the Better Art Bureau podcast. My name is Alex, and my favorite color is green, and I'm 5'10", and my likes are music and music makers. Why do I feel like I'm on Lava Life, or I think I'm showing my age? Is that, is that even Hinge or Met? Let me stick to Lava Life. So this is Alex. He's a composer, producer, songwriter, and music professor who goes by the name of Mad Love Music. We wanted to know where this journey all began. So I was an only child and I had to, should I, I hope this doesn't come across as wrong, but I had to play with myself uh, as an only child. <laughs> and so I, well, dear listeners, I, I warned you. So uh, my mom was a piano teacher and she was my first piano teacher. And so uh, while learning how to play piano, I also learned how much I hate traditional lessons because they totally sucked. She stood over me with a ruler and and I was you know I was out playing street hockey with my boys, my like eight year old boys, and she drags me in by the ears like son you got to practice two hours a day and I, so that, that was not great, and so I turned to I thought if I was going to practice I was going to practice things that engaged me, and for all of you parents out there listening or aunts and uncles if you want your kids to enjoy making music, get them to make music that engages them. So whatever they're digging, whatever they're listening to, get them to lift it um, and and put it on their instruments. So really what got me into music was that I was listening to everything from like Kiss, I Was Made For Loving You, 
to every Prince record to Van Halen. I had this kind of multi-personality musical disorder. And it's the only thing that called to me. It's the only thing that I liked. It's the only thing that remotely interested in me, interested me. And so that is how I would play with myself. Uh, it was just like I became a, a music historian. I wanted to know. I mean, I came up when you had album sleeves and I would spend hours reading the credits and connecting the dots of which writers were working on which records and like imagining myself in those writing rooms, writing for the, the people that I was listening to. And those sleeves were kind of like my favorite literature. And so I really immersed myself in that world sonically, but also in terms of knowing who the players were. And it's really the, like I said, it's the only thing that spoke to me. Nothing interested me even remotely as much as music. Alex was born in the Ukraine. First, it's, it's going to so be like bad. this. You practice two hours a day, and then you come home, you borscht. And when you finish with the borscht, you clean up the house. And at a young age, his family fled to Canada, eventually settling in Winnipeg, Manitoba. They were very traditional, but they were very accepting of all of my contemporary music likes, as long as there was a balance with traditional schooling. And then they put me into ballet classes, as if it wasn't bad enough that I was playing all of these scales. Then I had to take ballet classes, which made me even more of a cat cast out. Hmm. Well, no, no, sorry. I, I had to stutter over that because I just remember myself. I was a bit of a chubby kid. And so I always felt like I was a sausage stuffed into tights. And I never felt glamorous. Amen. It just never I felt. I still feel like that. Uh, <laughs> ladies, testify. Testify, my sister's. So then, so you're in Winnipeg, you're in your basement, you're studying CDs, all this stuff. So then at what point did you decide that maybe this is going to be what you want to do for the rest of your life? This is going to sound really cheesy. I'm sorry. But I, I didn't choose the game. The game chose me. No, I'm serious. Like there's nothing else I could do. When I was thinking about going to school and doing my bachelor's after university, I thought, what am I going to do? And then the immediate answer was music. I mean, how amazing is it to go to school to play Right. I'd never thought about is this going to make me employable? Yeah. I just thought, what am I going to do to make my life fun every day? And there was only one clear answer. And I knew that I was getting ready for university in grade nine, 10, 11. There was never a doubt that music was going to be the path. There's nothing else that. I, well, first of all, I'm kind of an idiot in every other facet of life. So let me just be honest and humble and clear. Total idiot. But when it comes to music, it was just it was just a language that I understood from the get-go. Like I saw the patterns of it on the instrument. I heard the patterns of it. Because, you know, when you're a student, you're there. there's so many ways of learning. Like you could be a tactile learner, auditory learner, right? Visual learner, analytical learner. All of my learning skills understood music intimately. And so I, I kind of found myself speaking it the way I speak English, for example. And so nothing else spoke to me that way. So literally late high school kind of paved the way to the only decision that I could have made. Mm -hmm. The game chose me. Honestly, that part was so inspiring to us that despite all the odds, Alex knew what he wanted and he went and he pursued a career in the music industry, which is something that a lot of people would consider just a pipe dream. Well, these are the type of people that Alex refers to as sheeple. So many people are followers and they're on the treadmill and they don't question it. And, 
and and they end up dedicating years of their lives to the wrong pursuits. They're totally misguided. And then there are people that are builders, and this is why I want to give you guys props because I I see two strong humans that have a vision that are making it work. You guys are the opposite of sheeple. You're totally inspiring, and you don't do it for the money. Uh, what are the sponsors? This episode sponsored by. You don't do it for the money. You you. It's it's more about you have a passion, you have a vision and you love doing this. And I think if you, if you follow that, then you'll all, I mean, you're always going to be a builder and a leader and not the sheeple. So yeah, my philosophy was never to question like, how's this treadmill going to pay me back? It was more like, how can I have the best time for the longest time possible? This led into a whole conversation about the difference between people who follow a traditional career path in comparison to those who maybe follow a non-traditional career path. I know painters, sculptors, you know, film scorers, filmmakers. I kind of see it like this. Artists are sort of like the straw. If you think of the word genius, this is so funny because people will say, you know, you'll watch American Idol or The X Factor or whatever. Oh, my son's a genius. My daughter's a genius. Genius is a vessel, right? A person isn't a genius. Genius is a vessel that connects the the higher muses to kind of our mortal selves. So I think all artists have a way to make our mortal selves connect with our higher selves. All artists. And so, of course, traditional thinkers don't understand that. I mean, what do you do with that? You're an artist. Your job is to heighten and elevate culture, move it forward. And so thereby, you have to take risks because yeah. it's the unknown. Like, what's next? It's very godly. It's very godly. It's, it so way, I kind of think of us as being sort of the spiritualists of society, all artists, right? And that's, that's a crazy thought because with great power comes great responsibility. left off the this is what Alex is all about episode I got my doctorate and right afterwards I I was hired by a university to be a university professor and I did that for years and years until I reached a few milestones which don't need to be discussed at this point but when I reached those milestones I kind of lost my mind because I realized everything that I was doing was feeding into my plan b and so I'm a father of two and I wasn't living my best life. I wasn't fulfilling my potential. And quite frankly, I wasn't doing what I was meant to do. Like I just wasn't, I wasn't maximizing the animal that I really am. And so I kind of lost my mind, not in, in an irrational way, but in a way that said to, my, to me, it's like plan A, this is the time, this is your window. And so I left my university position, like I had a tenured pensioned university position and I left just to be a songwriter at large and so I've been doing that for the last two years so I've been a songwriter for decades but for the last two years exclusively focusing on that and that's what I'm doing I'm writing songs and I'm sure that's going to raise a whole bunch of questions for you guys but that's like every day I get up and I either write record or put the finishing touches on so- on something creative so like every day is a birthing of something that doesn't exist that comes from the ether which is insanely beautiful what does the process of that look like? What does the process of writing music look like every single day? Well, you can do it collaboratively or you can do it on your own. But I think the process is kind of the same 
a series of steps. Uh, so writing can happen from a couple of different directions. Like it can happen rhythmically. Rap is a clear indication of that, right? Or like I go to work uh, like a doctor. You got to like the way I rock the mic, the way I operate. I make miracles happen just from rapping. There's no melody there. There's no harmony there. So it's a rhythmic just composition. An entire song. Just like <laughs> actually, uh, that's Cool Modi from 19 something, 89. Thank you, Cool Modi. Love your sunglasses still, buddy. So that's a, a, a rhythmic way to start a composition, right? Or something like a whole lot of love. Dun, down, dun, down, down. That's a guitar riff. So that's a harmonic catalyst for composition. Or like somewhere over the rainbow. That's a melodic catalyst to composition. So, or like if you listen to trance music, dance music, it's all vibe, right? Like, ooh, kind of get the glow sticks. It's vibe and it's building, it's dropping. So you can start writing from all four elements, whether it's harmonic, melodic, rhythmic, or sort of like soundscape and textural. And so uh, the process can begin with a catchphrase, right? And you'll just get a catch a verbal catchphrase in your head. Or it could be begin with a melodic idea. Or I'd just be sitting at the piano and noodling, and all of a sudden I come across a cool little progression that speaks to me. And I'm like, hmm, these are kind of beatles chords. What if I take these beatles chords and pepper them with a little jazz and just color them in a different way so they don't sound like they're beatles chords, but they maybe sound like... Beatles meets Bill Evans or something, right? And start writing an R&B song with those expensive chords that I import from Dubai. So so basically that's the process. It's whatever inspires you, whether it's a little moment of harmony or... But it's mostly just noodling, right? It's yeah. just noodling. mostly noodling just, with like... Could you call yourself a professional noodler? I think this is I, a new thing that we should do. He likes to noodle. He likes I, to play and noodle. I noodle all the time. And you know what? I was talking... I was kind of disrespecting my grade twos that I was teaching while getting my master's but but there's so many beautiful elemental things that happen like we were doing why don't we do an exercise you guys this might be a first ever in a podcast all right but if you guys I need you to have nothing in your hands is that possible just for a moment Megan's gonna put a drink let's down. let's do let's, <laughs> let's do a little thing so we have several people here on the podcast set and we're going to pretend that we're a grade two class Okay, super easy. Now, not not uh, a whole lot has to change. It's not a big stretch, (laughs) but it's fine. Okay, so Megan, can you please, this is only going to involve body percussion. Can you please take the word alligator and do alligator, alligator, alligator. Now we're going to remove the word alligator. Just keep doing that. Can you please do Snow leopard, snow leopard, snow. Still alligator for Megan. And when he's doing snow leopard, now I'm going to do, you ready? I'm just going to do the easy one. Chimp, chimp. Okay, and let's, that was beautiful little activity. So you can imagine with a group of grade twos, there's maybe 20 people in a class. We split them up into five groups and all of a sudden they have this percussion symphony. I'm not gonna lie, that was a little bit tough for me. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I, what was my part? What to was my honest, animal? I thought you were gonna say like, and, and could you imagine with the, with grade twos? I want the music I, we can make well, with grade I was, twos. I was, was I, I was snow, what was I? I was snow leopard? Snow leopard, I, I wanted to be chip. Ch- uh, I was chip. Okay, whatever. And then Megan was... Alligator. I wanted alligator, to be alligator right? so bad. Yeah. It was very hard for and me. And not to mention elephant, etc. And so you just keep building this percussion symphony. You take away the words and all of a sudden you have all of this wonderful textural body percussion going on, right? And so music is kind of all around us. Like it's when when I say I'm a professional noodler, 
Yes, maybe. Noodler? I barely know her. Sorry, I'm sorry. I can't believe I just said that on a mic. Uh, yes, I'm a professional noodler, but also, you know what it is? It's just like being aware of your environment. We just made a symphony, a percussion symphony, out of animals. But what if you're passing by and you see something on a billboard? Like, for example, you're passing by a hospital and there's a billboard that says, we are all built to heal. You're like, wow, that could be a great concept for a song, right? Or maybe you're hearing a nursery rhyme. It's like, na, 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 na. And you change the rhythm of that. And all of a sudden, it becomes the generator for a brand new composition. So instead of a na, 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 maybe you have a ba, ba, da, ba, 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 na, na. Just change that up a little bit. And so it's more about just being in tune with your environment and saying, I can take this and tweak it a little bit and manipulate it and make it something new and something interesting. Whether it's, you know, words, rhythms, melodies, harmonies. So it's just being a little more in touch, just being a little more observant. So we now have an idea of his process behind composing a song, but what about the lyrics? You weave melodies together over chords, and then once you hear the mood that sound makes, like the mood of the music, you go, what is this music telling us? Like, what's, what would be a story concept for this, mm. right? So you think in broad strokes and go, okay, well, this is kind of dark or, or maybe down-tempo music or bright up-tempo what could be the story that fits this musical soundscape, this vibe, right? And then you start attaching a, a story concept and then breaking it down into lyrics. Do you think that there's a genre of music that you don't necessarily... Because when I think of rap or I think of, I guess, yeah, like traditionally rap and like I have like a big poetry background and slam poetry background. Right. So I know a lot of you you think of the poem first, you write the poem first and then someone might come in with a little bit of, you know, a little bit of musical aspect of that totally. or some lyrics. So when I think of rap and I have this cuz again, I'm super naive to music. Um I think of that um 8 Mile scene with mm-hmm. Eminem when he's on the bus and he's like got that napkin, he's just like writing yeah. things where he doesn't have there's not a maybe there is a mood to the lyrics. But it's just lyric. He's just writing. You mean like a it's more like, so like more poetic. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. But I think it's kind of genre dependent. Like in rap, yeah. you start off with a sketch, a lyric. Yeah, you think of like concept. the and like there's like a cadence to it. So maybe right. that is kind of the yeah. the musical aspect of it. For sure. Like, but if you're doing something Latin, like a montuno, right? Then all you all of a sudden you start with a montuno piano or something flamencoish or something. So we're just outlining how yeah, composition happens from a bunch of different directions. Like the other day, I was in a session. And we were just just catching up, which is typically the way a session begins. We sort of, hey, tell me about your personal life. What's going on? What have you been up to? And the girl we were in with, she said, well, I've got, I'm kind of seeing this guy, but we're not monogamous. So he has a secret and I kind of know he does. And I have a secret and he kind of knows I do. And, and so right away, that sparked the, I've got a secret, you've got a secret. We started working off that. And, and all of a sudden, and it's got a rhythm to it, right? I've got a secret. You've got a secret. We put a little, uh, some chords to it, and then a really hard beat to kind of complement that. So that's a great example where even not in a rap session, lyrics can be the catalysts of the work. But a lot of times they're not. So it can, you know, depending on how who you it write. is, who the, 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 the exactly. artist is, yeah. And like every day is a different day. Yeah, because on your, like, I've seen that you have so many different genres, so many different kind of people that you work with. Like, mm. one of the, like, you'll have country, then, and then you'll have R&B, and then you'll have, like, and that must be, is that tough to kind of bounce back and forth between all of that? Well, I think, okay, so that that's a, a very small question for a very big answer. But let me give you uh, something concise. Right, if you can write a song, you can write a song. 
genre is irrelevant, especially now when you listen to Post Malone doing circles, right? Is it is it country? Is it urban? I don't know. Genre is disappearing. I don't really like it. Yeah, true, right? I love it too. I love the disappearance of boxes because back in you know, back in the day when you had record stores you'd go into an aisle and you'd go this is alternative and you'd find nirvana or whoever this is so so to answer your question wenny it's if you if you know how to write a song and you know the formula of the rising action falling action Mm -hmm. verse chorus and the structure of a song write a great song because a great song can be i mean stevie wonder will do a song that the red hot red hot chili peppers will cover and all the changes is sort of like the soundscape the production but higher ground, Stevie Wonder will do it as an urban jam or as like a reggae jam. Red Hot Chili Peppers will do it as a big guitar punk jam, right? But it's still a good song. So it's not hard. This is where I get finally come around to answering your question. It's not hard to balance between styles. Once you have a good song, the production then can vary from country. Mod- well, modern country is kind of like 80s rock, right? These days. From country to R&B to pop. Uh, so that part is sort of like secondary that happens second the, the the most important thing is write a good song and if you're a song writer you understand the template of that craft right and and good songwriting doesn't change production trends change like in the like the days of the mariah carey celine dion ballad are kind of behind us because music pop music is so liquid so a good song is a good song but those kind of sappy yeah. You know, oversaturated ballad productions are done. But but the, you take a great Mariah Carey or Celine Dion song and give it to a hot young producer, it'll still be a great song with a fresher, more relevant production. We've had this conversation in the past about how the frustration behind kind of being a traditional creative with Ketten. We spoke to him about, um, you know, he's got to kind of, he's got to be in his basement and he's got to work really hard. And there's, not necessarily like so you'll find people that are on everyday radio that didn't write their own music they maybe don't actually sound that great in live but they're they're the headliner of everything they're the they're the frontliner they're they're they're, they're, they're making all the money yeah because it's a it's i don't a know. production it's so not how do you about as someone right? on the back back side of it and someone writing the music and producing the music but not being the face of the music how do you feel about that is that something that do you because you probably experience it i feel fantastic you love it oh i love it and i'll tell you why i'm not responsible for carrying the brand Mm. i'm not responsible for the success or failure of the brand and i'm not responsible for i really don't like people i know i sound really amiable and lovely and friendly and very modest as well but i don't like people people annoy me that's why i'm a songwriter i like to work on my own or in small collaborative groups imagine being Justin Bieber or whoever, and everybody's in your grill, right? Or Rosalia or whoever. And so not only that, but as a songwriter, you can place something in 2018 and it'll do well. And then you place another song with the same artist in 2019. It doesn't do well. And all of a sudden that artist's career starts fizzling out. But that's the artist's career. The songwriter behind the scenes will go, okay, Artist A, not doing so well. I'll go to artist B, artist C, artist D. So behind the scenes, your longevity is way longer as a writer. I feel like you could be so much more versatile because you get to, you know, as you were saying, you've worked with so many different artists of different genres. Being a, But if you are a one particular artist and your genre is, like you said, country or R&B 
or rap or whatever it is, you're kind of limited to music in that area versus if you're a songwriter, if you're behind the scenes, you get to kind of dabble in everything and you get to try it all out and it's a lot more versatile. A hundred percent. You look at somebody like a, a legendary writer like uh, Max Martin. He worked with Britney and Backstreet Boys when they were a thing, but he's also worked with Kelly Clarkson and Halsey and uh, just all across the board. Like every day is a different day for him. Ariana, for example, Taylor Swift. You think, okay, so he's working with a pop country crossover, mm-hmm. an R&B girl, a rock girl. And he's just, because he's behind the scenes, he's able to do just that. It's kind of like be versatile. And his career has spanned 30 years. I'm not sure that any artist, not even a heritage artist, like even somebody like Usher, his career hasn't spanned 30 years. But a writer behind the scenes who's amazing at what he or she does, much, much more longevity. And every day is a new day because you're working on a new project and a new artist. Usher is always going to be working on more Usher things. Mm. Whereas behind the scenes, you can pick and choose different genres, different artists, different projects, and maybe get away from people and do a little film scoring for a year, right? If you're not a people person. So, yeah. What's your, when it comes down to like, you know, we've already kind of touched on the process of writing and, um, but what would you say is the, the part of that process that you struggle with the most? Oh. Is it the writing? Is it the coming up with the melody? Is it... Is it the production part as well? Like you're constantly in the studio with artists. I'm assuming that can be, I don't know, is it frustrating? Is it always really great? Is it always Mm -hmm. easygoing? Yeah, that's a great question. It's totally humbling. So for me, coming up with concepts, like story concepts, is super fun. Musically, I never have any issues like coming up with different melodies or different uh, harmonic options, different chord progressions. My biggest struggle, and I can't seem to get over it, is really nailing down the lyrics and primarily because you write lyrics for other people right and so and and you know this because you you're a great lyricist and you you write for yourself can you imagine somebody who's in it older than you different gender than you has a different set of experiences from you all of a sudden trying to write lyrics that are going to be genuine to you for you to say so lyrically and also lyrically things change so much like you know 10 15 years ago things were all sort of like metaphorical now things are very conversational very visual and i think lyrics are so personal that's always my struggle like can i write a 100 percent song where i do everything including lyrics absolutely is it going to be relevant to me absolutely is it going to be relevant to anybody else who may be asked to sing those lyrics Probably not, right? And lyrics are so personal. So that is my biggest struggle. And I also think if you're if you're a songwriter and you take it seriously, you always know that the the goal is gonna be bigger than you. Like you have to jump up and strive to do better than you typically do. Like every day you need to do better than the last day because the objective is bigger. Like there is no perfect song. There is no perfectly crafted song, which means that every day you need to get up and thrive and strive to write the perfect song, knowing full well that you're going to fail. Like you you go into a project knowing you're going to fail. And it's and it, that's kind of a microcosm of our work. Like if I have five studio sessions in a week, I'll write five songs in a week. But really, how many of those are going to be average? How many of those are going to be good? And how many of those are going to be great? Probably very few are going to be great. And a whole lot are going to be very average. Mm-hmm. So the that's that's why I said it's humbling because you go into the you go into your everyday, going I'm going to celebrate what I do because I love writing, 
but I know that I'm going to probably come out with a very mediocre result. And very seldom do you get an amazing result. And those are gifts. Yeah. But yeah, lyrically, ugh, I'm always in the lyrical gym trying to flex my muscle. And mostly I fail. And mostly I fail. How do you kind of, I, okay, let's use that metaphor. What? How do you exercise those? So like I know that there's been times where you have reached out to Megan and you're like, I have to write a song for like this, you know, it's catered to this younger female crowd. So how do you, how do you reach out and how do you know when to extend and yeah, where to I extend? ask for help all the time. I know daily that I'm not capable or somebody might be more suited to tapping into that. Cause a lot of times I'll just be sitting around and I'll be reading like Cosmo magazine, trying to think, what's a 25-year-old girl thinking? Like, I'm trying to get into that headspace. I am reading Cosmo, like looking like a pedophile on BC Ferries, reading some Teen Dream magazine. It's not hot. So, so yeah, I reach out all the time. And it's funny, as I get older, I am much more open to collaboration. And it just, I think collaboration leads to better work because it gets you out of the box of your own thinking. Did you not do it when you were younger? Is no. That so? No, so when you're Why? when I was younger, I was way more precious about everything. Is it called ego? Because maybe when you're a little bit younger, the ego gets in the way a little bit. You want to be the star of the show. Totally. And not only that, but when you're younger, you have a smaller catalog of work. So yeah. everything that you have, like, you're super... A smaller something else. A smaller catalog of work. <laughs> so every little item in your catalog, you're really precious about. Like, this is yeah, my thing and it's, good. Nice. Oh, it's all me and it's, yes, it's my ego. And look how great I can be all by myself. And as you expand your catalog, you're like... I don't want to be precious about it. I just want it to be the best work I can do. You know what that reminds me of? There's a, st- I forget, I think it's Jamie Foxx said it. I think Jamie Foxx has a story where he threw this party and there was this kid there and this kid was rolling around like a backpack and he was like trying to show everybody like his music and he played a song and Jamie Foxx was like, you're fucking garbage, like you're trash. Ended up being Kanye West yeah. and it was like his biggest song ever. And it was just like he had this kind of, not, I wouldn't say it's an ego, maybe a little bit of a complex where it's like, no, I know what I want to do. I know what I'm going to do you're you don't know what you're talking about so it's that idea of when you and i think it is with time and experience you kind of broaden and you like i think it's exciting working with other people like i love working with other people and what is what does that process look like so you're working with other people so what's the difference between writing music and producing music and thinking of things on your own and then with other people is it a different different totally different vibe because every other person is going to bring they're going to bring in the mood of the day they're going to bring in their whole bag of experiences they're going to bring in whatever experience they're going through like some sort of personal makeup breakup whatever's happening right and so every day is going to be different and then there are going to be some things that they just don't want to say like if you're in with a girl that was raised in a christian family chances are we're not going to have a lot of oh in our in our lyrics right right and i feel like there's a, a big sense of trust these people have to have yeah. to open up be like oh my god this like abusive guy or this girl or whatever there's got to be a really good connection of trust can you imagine that sense of vulnerability when you first walk in and and people are like just throwing... unload all your baggage let yeah. me just unload all my baggage onto you <laughs> no like here's a table and we're gonna start playing with ideas and i'm gonna tell you some stuff that's really personal to me and as soon as I do that, in 10 minutes, I'm going to expect you to do the same. And we don't know each other. Good luck. Congratulations. Let's go. And by the way, we want your best. We want your most personal because that's going to lead to the best result. So how do you feel about that? All right, let's go. So it's weird, but once really you, I feel tricky. like once you do it a couple times. You it is like a little bit of a therapy session. It is. I mean, heck, we get even doing this. It's, it's a, I feel like it's a human condition. 
like i don't think i think you you put people in vulnerable spots eventually i mean it obviously depends on who you're around if they're making you feel comfortable enough to do it like if so if i went into a studio and started writing this kind of stuff and the guy was just like sitting there like straight face like not engaging i'd be like i don't want to talk about anything and what i think of like when i if i were to walk into a room and i was like cameron i'm my back's heavy my back hurts i'm gonna unpack all my shit onto you and it's like some traditional guy in a suit and he's Mm -hmm. like okay you're gonna make me my next millions i'd be like shit i don't know if that's me dude like yeah but you just you wouldn't like you said you wouldn't feel comfortable airing you know airing everything out and 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 digging especially when you aired it all out and then it is a bust I think if you're like, I just unloaded all of my baggage onto you and I told you all of my, and then like, but you guys have just hit on a huge point because part of being a songwriter is not just being a collaborator. Part of the biggest part of it, I think is being a good session haver. Like, can you be a good, are you good in the room? Are you a good session haver? Are you receptive to ideas? Are you fun? Are, are you bringing the right energy to the table? Because if you're a, not a good session haver, that person's not going to come back for a second session. And the first session is probably going to lead to a pretty lame result. So being a great session haver is a key skill when you're a co-writer or a co-producer. Because mm-hmm. you want to make people feel comfortable enough to just go, blah, this is my life. I don't know you, but blah, this is my life. Oh, and the results are amazing. They reflect everything that I'm feeling. Oh, and wait a minute. I want to come back for another session. Because you're a good session haver. You're good people. And you know what? Most of the time, people have something to offer. Like, everybody's talented. But some people just suck. But if you're talented and you can contribute something on top of that, if you're good in the room, that makes all the difference. Yeah, and I think that goes, like, I think no vibes is, like, a big thing and, like, whatever. But I think it actually comes down to that is, did I have a good time? Is this a good experience for me? And, like, I think as far as music writing and producing, I'm sure that's a huge vibe. Well, yeah, I mean, you go to work, right? Do you want to have a great day no matter yeah, what you do? Or do you want to have a crappy day? Oh, no matter you could have the worst do? job in the world, but if you work around good people and it's a good environment, you want to go to work every day. It doesn't matter if I made $10 a day. I had a good time and I enjoyed my time and my space with people. I think it's a huge, and I don't think people really understand the value of that either. 100%. And I think it's the people 100%. that make that environment toxic that don't understand the value of it. So you're in Vancouver, you're writing music now. Yes. Correct. Okay. So you have also broadened your horizons and you've been, uh, you, you've, you've spanned the map a bit. Well, pre, so, hey, dear listeners, we're right in the heart of COVID, but free COVID. Yes. I don't know what's going on with the rhythm of the universe right now, but uh, typically my rhythm would be like this. I talk to management, I talk to record label people, I talk to music publishers, publishers, and I see what they're working on, right? And so they have a whole tip sheet of projects. I come home to my little nest and I start crafting projects. And sometimes it'll be a, a modern country project for Nashville, or it'll be a Latin project, sort of like a J Balvin sound for somebody in Miami, mm-hmm. or it'll be a straight up pop project in LA, right? So I come back home and I... I get into my dungeon and I craft all these things. You just become a chemist. You're That's right. Cook, and then it up. basically, and then when the stuff is done, I go back to Nashville. If there's a modern country project and I play it for them and take, you know, face to face meetings, which are way better than just emailing from home or LA or my, so I, I think because I'm versatile style wise, genre wise, I'm able to get into a room, a writing room in Nashville and do that sound, get into a Latin room in Miami, get into a pop or R&B room 
uh, or even a rock room in LA. And and really Canada, I mean, Toronto has a scene for sure. There's OVO and, uh, you know, Boy Wanda and uh, that whole camp and Frank Dukes, of course. But it's kind of a closed circuit, like it's a boys club. But they're all day ones that came up together, right? And so every record label in Toronto still has to get sign-off approval from L.A., from the head office in L.A. So mm-hmm. I just cut out the middleman, and I don't really spend time in Toronto anymore. And I just go straight to where the industry is happening, which is Closer. L.A., Nashville, Miami. And quite frankly, they're such fun cities. Mm-hmm. I prefer, I love Toronto, but I prefer those three cities to Toronto. You know what I always find about Toronto is that people from Toronto and artists, even though they may be very scarce, and there are not a lot of them, they're so Toronto strong. Like if you even think of Drake and OVO, that's probably the biggest name that came out of Toronto as far as music goes. He's so Toronto strong. Yeah. Whereas let's where we are now, Vancouver, you're not seeing, maybe it's just that they're not there, they're not as vocal about it, but you're not seeing like, West Coast, Vancouver proud. Yeah, like you just don't really see that. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it's just that it's not there or it's not a thing here. Or if Drake just made that a thing in Toronto. Like, I don't know yeah. what it is. But what would you say about Vancouver as far as, like, being a creative in this city and the music scene in this city? Do you think that it's where it should be? Or do you see it going up or down? Or what's the... Vancouver's totally disconnected. There's so much talent here. And they just work in isolated little pockets. And so part of why I wanted to give you props earlier was that you're kind of bringing the arts community together which is exactly and i think you're succeeding which is exactly what should be happening in the music scene in vancouver Mm -hmm. somebody should i'm really working hard to bring the disparate you know bits of talent the pockets of talent together by kind of being a hub and working with as many good people as possible but it's very isolated and everybody's working on their own little projects and everybody's getting their little grants but there's no overlap there's no cross promotion there's really no spirit of collaboration is there a way you think we can probably maybe change that or like maybe come together as a community? I think having having gatherings like at, we we have we used to we have. We can't really do that now. I know we can't do that now, <laughs> but sort of having festivals, having like think think about South by Southwest, right? Or that kind of idea. Like when the COVID era is over, we really need live yeah. music back and congregations. Absolutely like we do. need showcases. We need showcases for people. If if I don't get out of my own bubble, I don't know the hundreds of talented people that are doing great work in town. I don't know who they are. That's because we never congregate. In Toronto, you congregate, right? In Austin, in LA, in New York, in Atlanta, in Miami, you congregate. What I don't know what's happening even, with Vancouver. Even before COVID, it had nothing. I don't think it really... Now we just don't have concerts. But even before uh, quarantine and COVID happened, pretty much every single festival in the lower mainland has been canceled except for like a couple like Sunfest or whatever it is on the island merit like those are there's a couple left during the summer that have been around for a while but all the big music festivals like squamish and pemberton all those are gone and even when you think about it in the east coast they still hit ovo fest still hits um there's one in montreal it's i think it's more like edm but it's still a heavy mtl i go to heavy mtl every year and it's fucking loud and proud whereas like you don't Everything here gets canceled. Yeah. Everything here is a bust. There's no funding for it. And also, um, even just when it comes to small, I mean, like live music, mm-hmm. small time music, I just, I feel like it could be a lot bigger. But hey, you never know. 
maybe after COVID, maybe after quarantine, it, it's going to give people a newfound respect for a new, yeah, new, new appreci- appreciation for live music and for just going out and socializing with people. And maybe it'll be, it'll change. Yeah, I don't know. I think what we need is this unified philosophy that we need to create a scene like literally a scene in new york in the 70s it was the ramones and it was blondie and it was like cbgb's right in atlanta in the 90s you had tlc and total and crisscross and jermaine dupree and dallas austin in seattle you had nirvana and you had the whole grunge movement so you can in toronto you have ovo so there are places that create scenes musical scenes and non musical places traditionally i mean and so what's stopping us from making a scene we're just not unified that's all well i just gotta do it but maybe with the help of the better art bureau and the help of well, mad love music bridging musicians together we can work we can together do it. We, can do it. we can do it i know we can and use our powers for good and a little bit for evil definitely gonna use some evil a little evil these well, are a little sprinkle of evil you guys these questions are so the, the questions you're asking you're not asking them of me. You're asking them of our culture, and they're so important. I thank you so much yeah. for bringing these issues to light, like critical, especially for Vancouver. So thank you. Well, we appreciate Thank no, you. We, we thank appreciate you, for you answering them. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Yeah, we're always shocked when people say yes. Uh, <laughs> we're like, will you yeah. be on our podcast? We're like, absolutely. We're like, <laughs> yeah, really? but truth be told, you're giving me drinks and guacamole, so it's it's all good. I'll say yes every time. Um, do you have any like do you have any anything else you want to chat about? I mean, I, mean, I could questions? literally talk I, for, hours, for hours. But I get that feeling. Yeah, I know I'm the worst. We've we've done it. I've, we've had to like like cut ourselves off. <laughs> and be like, okay, stop now. Um. My, I think like one kind of last question for, with regards to where you are as a musician now, looking back now at when you were going to school, trying to do it all, what either would you tell your younger self? Like, what do you, I mean, obviously, you know, a million things now that you didn't know back then. Um, But like, what's the biggest piece of advice that you would give to that kid starting off going to school? Really simple figure out what kind of animal you are and maximize that animal. Because back in the day, I thought I could be a singer, I could be the writer, I could be the producer, I could be the performer, I could be the front man, I could be the brand. Like, no, you are very mediocre at most of those. You're only really good at writing and producing. So, so why diffuse your energy into all of those other lanes? Figure out what what your strong lane is and race like hell so and and it'll save you so much effort and so much time and 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 also it's going to laser focus your objectives so figure out what kind of animal you are maximize that such a great piece of advice for anybody who is listening to this episode and before we bring this one to a close we just wanted to ask alex a couple rapid fire questions Who is your number one inspiration? Prince. <sighs> Crazy. Um, if you could work with any artist in the world right now, who would that be? Prince. 
What? He died? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Um, That's why I clarified the right now because I wanted a different right answer. Now. Well, and I knew if for, I said dead or alive, you'd pick For him. me, he's completely alive forever. Um, I'd say Gallant. Oh, yeah. yeah awesome. Okay. If Sweet. you guys don't know Gallant, check him out. G-A-L-L-A-N-T. He's dope. If you were to write a book about yourself, what would the title be? World Domination. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Aggressive. Rapid fire, <laughs> That's baby. So aggressive. Who was your first celebrity crush? Uh, Olivia Newton-John. Oh, nice. All I right. got chills. Then my, then my oh, but only during that scene because I I like her a little leathery, a little more leathery. Oh, my. I like my women leathery. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's too. Uh... Do you ask for permission or forgiveness? Always, always, always forgiveness. Nice. Okay. Always, one hundred percent of the time. Yeah. It's the first thing you do in the morning look in the mirror and tell myself I'm stepping into my emperor mode. What makes you laugh the most? I think my kids, they're the best people I know and they're hilarious because they know how to press my buttons and they never take me as seriously as I take myself. Sweet or salty? Savory. Salty isn't necessarily Maybe, savory, yeah, but it's... Yeah, I guess not. Sweet gives Can me... Can you give me a single example of the savory? Um, sushi. Okay, okay. Wenny Quiche. <laughs> It sounds like someone, a kid doing like a spelling bee. You're like, can you please use it in a sentence? (laughs) I just just needed a quick little reference. so funny. Sushi. Would you want to live forever? In the words of Freddie Mercury, who wants to live forever? No, I want to experience something new. Living forever is just experiencing the same thing, which is life. I want to do something new. What's something miniature that would be the most terrifying thing large? Oh, that is a great question. Like, if you could think of anything in the world that's small and in not intimidating, but if it was massive, would be, like, the scariest thing in the world. I would say fly because they do that thing with their front legs where they go, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Imagine, like, a 20-foot guy doing that with his paws. That'd be... I'd have a problem with that. Those rapid fire questions are probably my favorite part of the podcast just because you get to find out all these random facts from the guests and you hear these crazy stories. Um, We definitely could have heard a lot more crazy stories from Alex, but unfortunately there is so much to talk about and so little time. So if you want more from Mad Love Music, this is where you can find him. You can find me on all digital streaming platforms via Mad Love Music. You can find me on Instagram, Mad Love Music, one word. You can no longer find me on MySpace. And you can no longer find me on Lava Life. <laughs> so I'll keep you posted. But if you, if you want to find me when I'm uh, in hiding, just find me through the Better Art Bureau. Yes. Oh. They'll... We'll point you, you in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Send you over. Ladies, it's been amazing. And yes, I adore what you guys you. are doing. And I really appreciate spending this no, time with you. thank you so much. Yeah, it's thanks for taking the time out to come here. and. Totally. Yeah. Now back to the drinks and the guacamole. Yes, exactly. Over and out. Thank you, Alex. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to episode six of the Better Art Bureau podcast. We are so happy to finally be back. Um, we would love if you guys could like comment share subscribe to the podcast uh also you can reach us at the better Art bureau on instagram or the bab.ca if you're an artist and you'd like to come on the show we would love to have you just reach out send us an email until next time stay safe stay healthy and let's all make better art <laughs>